Hello everyone and welcome to the Friday edition of Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for downloading and listening today. Normally the Friday shows are where we talk about fighting stuff, but missed the show on Wednesday. Um, had a last minute broadcasting call come up. So, uh, going to try to do a couple of podcasts today um, with that in mind as I'm just talking now. My, apparently my throat may not be up for it as uh, doing three hockey games back to back when you haven't done any hockey games in the last couple of years turns out wears on the old vocal cords. So, uh, apologies for that as I'm apparently feeling a little bit more froggy than I thought I was going to be. But not a ton on the NHL today. Um, more on things that have already happened. We'll do the Seattle thing. We'll do the the, the Carolina trade, which what the fuck. But uh, a lot of draft and a lot of rumor things might be irrelevant by the time you get to this anyway. And it's, it's admittedly going to be difficult for me to, you'll probably hear a bunch of clicking. It's going to be difficult for me to not hear or to, to not um, just follow along on Twitter the entire night uh, or the, the entire show. So I'm going to try to limit that and we'll stick to the NHL stuff later this evening. Hoping to go on Twitch after the draft is done. You know how I like to get down. As always, thank you very much for downloading. If you want to get in touch with the show, I'm at PrimetimeKlein on Twitter and Insta- uh, Instagram, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. I had fun doing the expansion draft with the legends in hockey, so I think I might try to do that with basketball sometime next week as well. Uh, the music you were listening to a bit ago is Wasted Talent. You can find them on Instagram at WastedTalent with X is where the A's would be, and you can find their producer on Instagram at TommyFreshMusic. So, a few things I want to get into on the show today. Um, let's start with the NBA Finals, as the Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. A sentence that just saying it feels weird. But there's so many different narratives that this championship win kind of laughs in the face of. First off, well, you need a super team. And I've always hated that. Um, now, I think you you just try to get as many, like... The, the way you win in the NBA is you try to get as many talented players as possible. The issue becomes when it's, oh, well, you have to just trade for all these guys as well. I mean, kind of, but I I always pushed back on Golden State being called a super team. They went out and acquired one super player in Kevin Durant. But Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, they were all their guys. They, they just did a very good, they drafted and developed a very good team. So I, I don't like calling that, um, I don't like calling that a super team. And I, you could make a case that, I mean, you have three all-star level players in Giannis and Middleton and in Holiday, so that's a super team. And, I mean, maybe, but this wasn't, all right, let's go sign a bunch of guys and put them all together, see Brooklyn, who, as has been talked about, was probably about an inch away from winning this championship running away anyway. But I I, I just, I, I look at this Milwaukee team, and like I said, it, it just, it goes in the face of a number of different things. And again, a caveat on all of this. It really helps when you draft a kid 15th overall and he grows three inches and 60 pounds like that. There's no ignoring how I don't want to say lucky, but just how unpredictable that is. But those are kind of the the shots you take when you are projecting some of these kids at 18 years old, that that's what the like, obviously Giannis is best case scenario for everyone when you draft them, uh, when you draft someone like he is uh, aside from like four or five guys, he is what you want that to turn out to be. Um, but when the Raptors draft Bruno Caboclo, like you, you are hoping that he fills out and this and this and this. Now, no one is expecting anyone to grow three inches. And a, a lot of these things that I'm about to talk about when it comes to team building and when it comes to setting up a championship team, most of them can be countered by, yeah, it also helps when your star player grows three inches. I can't, 
I have no counter to that. Because, yeah, it certainly does. Um, now, you have to have a team... Like, if Bobby Portis grows three inches, I don't know if Bobby Portis is a, a, a superstar. You know, like, there's th th there are still limits to it. And there is that work ethic that Giannis has that ends up shining through. And, and when you have someone with the work ethic that he has, the body that he has, and the skill set that he has, you combine those all together, you get a super-duper star. Like... There are guys out there, like I just said, Bobby Portis, amazing work ethic. Not as talented, not as big as Giannis, so there's a ceiling to things. When you combine all of those things together, you get an extremely special player in Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm bouncing around with, with a lot of these things, because it's just, it, it is a really exciting thing. And you look at the last little while in the NBA, and everyone says, like, th there are these narratives that come up where it's, well, you need to be, small market teams are dead. Needs to be a big market, needs to be LA, needs to be New York, needs to be Chicago, um, whatever, take your pick. And then you look at the last decade of NBA champions, this last year, Milwaukee Bucks, that is not a big market at all. 65,000 people went out to the, the, the Deer Ditch District, that's basically the city. I'm exaggerating, obviously, but no one is clamoring to go to Milwaukee, right? We agree? Cool. Lakers won it the, the year before. They, they win that title because they're all L.A. and because LeBron James wants to go there. 2019, Toronto. On the world stage, big market. In North American professional sports, itty bitty tiny market. Doesn't matter in TV ratings at all. That That is a net loss anytime you put them on television because Canadian TV watching does not translate over into American numbers. And one of the things that helps when you put teams like New York, teams like L.A., on television is that you get New York and LA watching them on television and just because a whole lot of people live there those numbers go up and so that's why they're on TV more and it's th this kind of cycle but anyway 2018-2017 Golden State Oakland how many people clamoring to go to Oakland the Raiders have tried to leave eight times the Athletics are looking to get the fuck out of there too like uh, Oakland not a glorious sports market after that 2016 Cleveland Cleveland, <laughs> again, not a gigantic sports market. Obviously, all of those teams are different, and there are a number of different yeah buts that go into those, but it does not, I, I think that this is a great sign for the NBA that you have turned these small market teams into teams that feel like big market teams, with the exception of Toronto and Cleveland now. Um, like no, no free agents are going to sign with Cleveland now that, that just, it so happens that the best player in basketball was born around there. And that certainly helped things out quite a bit, but th this is still a, a big win for the NBA because it is a small market team that not only won the championship, but kept the dude like Toronto, they win the championship. They go out and get Kawhi. He leaves for a shit team in LA, not a shit team. The Clippers have built something there. I'm exaggerating cause I'm better, but, um, like, Toronto wasn't able to keep him, but they showed, like, you can at least win a championship. Um, Milwaukee kept the dude. That's crazy. No, no like, the, the stars aren't supposed to stay there. LeBron's left Cleveland twice, and he's from there. I, I do think, like, th this this does show, like, your your geography does not matter when you have the talent. The other thing, like, we talked about the, the super team. The, these guys didn't, like, they... they put a bunch of trades together, but again, it was like you had a super duper star and you had guys who fit around him. Like this was more a super fit team than a, a super team. You, like you had Drew Holiday and Middleton, when they are going well, they fit 
around Giannis. And they didn't try to, oh, well, we need a bunch of shooters, so let's just get a bunch of shooters and try to make this work, see the 76ers. Because that would be kind of the thing. Well, you have Giannis, who's a big guy, so just surround him with shooting. And there's a little bit of that on this team, but not a ton. And they end up winning with that. And this is goes into the next part of what we've been talking about on this show for the last month. There isn't just one way to win in the NBA. You can win with a thousand three-pointers when you have Steph Curry. That, yeah, it helps. And yes, I'm well aware that three-pointers are worth more than two-pointers. And so if you just spam them, eventually they're going to go in. That is how almost every upset in March Madness has ever happened. But this was not a very good three-point shooting team. And hey, would you look at that? They won a championship. And again, you can throw all the yeah buts out there about injuries or whatever. They are still holding that Larry OB. So it is still possible to win a championship with a big-ass dude and a team that's not shooting threes, with a team that can still get to the rim and with a team that can still defend. And I'm sounding like I'm a thousand years old right now, but you look at how this Milwaukee team won this championship. If their defense is only just really good, I think Chris Paul ends up get go, uh, ends up getting going and ends up winning this championship for the Phoenix Suns. So they're, they're winning with bully ball and they're winning with defense. Can every team do that? No, but it is showing that not every team just needs a thousand three-pointers a game. And it's also showing that the big man spot is not dead. The last one, and it kind of like spins into a, a different conversation into the, the how are they made sort of a thing. You look at some of the ways that we view team building, especially in the NBA. It's acquire as many star players as possible and fill out the rest of the roster. And well, you're a small market team, you're not getting those guys. So maybe you have to trade for the superstar or you have to tank and get a lottery pick. There's only one lottery pick on this Milwaukee Bucks team and it's Brooke Lopez, who they did not select in the lottery. There's only one guy on this team who they drafted at all, and that was Giannis. So let's go through the Milwaukee Bucks and how they were made. Giannis Antetokounmpo drafted in the first round, 15th overall, back in 2013. We'll get to that draft in a minute. It sucked, but they end up getting Giannis. Um, they get Chris Middleton in a trade with Brandon Knight and Vaxlav Kravtsov for Brandon Jennings. Middleton, obviously just a throw-in. Brandon Knight was the star of that one. I went through a trade tree with all of those guys. It leads to nothing but cap space, so don't even bother. Um, although Kravtsov was traded for Karam Butler, which tells you this was actually kind of a while ago. Um, but you end up getting Middleton as just a throw-in, and he turns into a superstar. Um, Drew Holiday is like the big home run swing of all of this, if you forget. He was acquired with Sam Merrill, who played like a minute in the playoffs, for RJ Hampton, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and every pick ever. 2024, 25, 26, 27. There's some pick swaps in there, but no. That, that, that is the one where it's like, hey, we have this opportunity. Let's just go for it. PJ Tucker is acquired in a deal at the deadline with a dude who was waived a 2021 second, a 2022 first for DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson, a 2021 first and a 2023 first. And then Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, Jeff Teague, and Thanasis Atentacumpo, uh, all signed as free agents. Nothing in there screams, oh, this is the perfect way to build a championship. It is like from a small market team, well, you have to tank and then you have to get the superstar and then you have to surround them with a bunch of shooting with guys who want to come on the mid-level exemption and free agency. And that's how you build a championship team. You do the home run swing with Holiday, but then the rest of this, you draft Giannis and develop him. You 
I don't know. I, I'm going to give them way too much credit by saying they recognize the talent of Chris Middleton, but they are able to create an environment where they're able to get the most out of Middleton. And then you surround guys that fit your culture instead of trying to be the team that goes out and gets Seth Curry and JJ Redick and Danny Green. A lot of shots at Philadelphia in there. You go out and like, hey, PJ Tucker fits what we do very well. Drew Holiday fits what we do very well and also gets Eric Bledsoe the fuck out of here. Um, like Bobby Portis fits. You get some shooting, Bryn Forbes, but if the other team is going to attack him, we're just gonna get Bryn Forbes out of there and figure something else out. We are coming up on the NBA draft and there, there's going to be a lot of, well, the, the best way to win in this league is to, to draft and develop. And yes, when you miss on a first round pick, it sets you back a ways. Um, look at, uh, again, with the, the Toronto Raptors, with Andrea Bargnani, and look at just a, anyone who misses out on a high first round pick. It, it ends up coming back. Look at uh, the Phoenix Suns are, I think, a, a prime example of this in, in this series like obviously DeAndre Ayton ends up working out so that's like that helps a little bit but when you look at the draft history of the Phoenix Suns over the last little bit they had lottery pick this year Jalen Smith 10th overall scored 53 points this season Giannis did that in like a half like he had 50 in game six Jalen Smith had 50 all year. 2019, um, they picked Jared Culliver. They trade him to Minnesota for Cam Johnson and Dario Sarge. So that ends up actually working out. So that goes against my point. But still, like th those are those are key pieces. So again, you don't necessarily hit on the pick, but you are filling out your roster. You go back to 2017, Josh Jackson, first round pick, fourth overall to the Phoenix Suns. Quick scan of the crowd. Anyone know where he's playing right now? Signed as a free agent in December with the Detroit Pistons after some time with the Memphis Hustle. Uh, the Phoenix Suns trade him for uh, Javon Carter and Kyle Korver. Hmm. So this is what I'm saying. Like, those are a couple of pieces. And we can go further down. Dragon Banner, all, all of this stuff. Like, these are a couple of pieces with the Phoenix Suns where if you had hit on these guys and you don't want to go back and, oh, well, if they would have just selected this guy, if they would have just selected this guy, because that's not how any of this stuff works ever. If a couple of those turn into more productive players, then maybe it's not just Chris Paul, Devin Booker against the world in the NBA finals when DeAndre Ayton runs into to foul trouble. Maybe, maybe it works out a little bit differently for Phoenix. So yeah, missing on draft picks can certainly hurt you, but as the Milwaukee Bucks are proving, the draft isn't the be-all, end-all, despite what we will be told. Also, another thing that I think will be easy to forget as we get ready for the NHL draft tonight and the NBA draft. Some drafts fucking suck. That There is no working around it. And 2013 is a shining example. All-stars from the 2013 draft. Now, maybe not the best way to decide the value of a draft being like how many all-stars you get out of it, especially in the more recent ones. But this one is now eight years old. Um, so I, you, you think at this point, you'd at least have a few, right? Uh, the all-stars from this draft, Victor Oladipo and Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's it. That's all we got. Oh, sorry, Rudy Gobert down at 27 as well. So there, we got three. Look at that. And now you have CJ McCollum, who you can make an argument for. But then after that, like, the guys who are selected above Giannis, and I, I need to preface this by saying, 
No one knew Giannis was going to turn into Giannis. The Milwaukee Bucks didn't even know he was going to turn into Giannis. But the pick's ahead of him. Anthony Bennett goes one, then it's Victor Oladipo, Otto Porter Jr., Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Nerlens Noel, Ben McLemore, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Trey Burke, CJ McCollum, Michael Carter-Williams, who won the MV, or the, the Rookie of the Year that year, Stephen Adams, Kelly Olenek, Shabazz Muhammad. There's just not a lot there. And this is one of those things where we talk about tanking and we talk about this is this is how you win you have to be as bad as you possibly can so that you, you can get the high draft picks and you get the lottery picks and they they end up carrying your franchise sometimes the lottery is anthony bennett ben mclemore alex len like sometimes it just ain't your year and there's a lot of luck that goes into these things the Netherlands noel pick is actually kind of funny that it all ties in with everything here he goes sixth overall to the new orleans pelicans who then trade him for drew holiday funny how everything kind of comes together uh, not really, but still, this is why I push back so often on the, oh, you got to tank, got to get as many assets as you can. M Milwaukee just proved you don't have to do this. Now, do you want to trade every draft pick ever all the time? Because we were talking about it before, how this almost didn't work out, right? Like it, it almost didn't work trading all those picks for Drew Holiday because he was bad in a couple of games, but his defense, and he ends up coming up with the play of the series in game five that I believe does end up sealing a championship for this team. The point I'm getting in all of this is that there isn't just one way to do any of this. You don't have to tank and go through the process just to get to a point of a championship. You don't have to be LA, Chicago, New York to win a championship. You don't have to sign every big name free agent that comes out to win a championship. Some of those things make it easier. Absolutely. The starting blocks aren't the same for everyone. And the starting blocks weren't the same for Milwaukee because the dude who they drafted grew three inches and turned into Superman. So the, the overall point, again, is that there isn't just one way to win in basketball. There isn't just one way to win in hockey. There isn't just one way to win in baseball. There isn't just one way to win in football. There isn't just one way to build a team. There isn't just one way to draft. There isn't just one way to make trades. There isn't just one way to make free agents. It is easy to throw those out there, especially when so much of the media we are consuming now is in little 60-second spurts. It's Look... There are times I did it. I'm not super stoked that I did it, but there are times where it's like, look, I haven't done a super deep dive on a whole lot of this stuff, so I'm just going to say, yeah, draft this, the, the fastest guy, get the skilled guy to tank and do all these things. Like, it's just, it's easier to say all of this in 60 seconds than, well, I mean, this team did this and this team did this and look where it got them. Also, the one part of this that no one wants to talk about, luck plays a huge fucking role in all of this. Again, if you're tanking at the right time, you get LeBron. If you tank at the wrong time, you get Anthony Bennett. Funny thing is that the same team did both of those things. Sometimes Giannis falls to you. Sometimes you're the Boston Celtics and he goes to pick ahead of you and you draft Lucas Noguera. Sometimes Kevin Durant's foot's on the line. Sometimes Drew Holiday gets a steal in game five of a championship game. Sometimes a three-pointer bounces off the rim six times and goes in. I'm looking at the process as a failure, and the Philadelphia 76ers are about to potentially blow it up with Ben Simmons getting traded. That conversation is a thousand times different if Kawhi's shot bounces off the rim and goes out. A couple of bounces can change things dramatically in the NBA. It is every GM's job to put yourself in the best position to take advantage of those lucky bounces, but sometimes it just doesn't go your way. It doesn't mean you managed poorly or whatever. You just have to be in the best spot to take advantage of those at that time. 
one last thing. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, this really sucks. Because this is, I, I, I never like saying, well, this was, I mean, they're screwed now. Look at all these good teams. Because the Phoenix Suns can be a good team as well. If they keep Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton p- potentially takes another step forward. But we saw in this series the limitations of Ayton. And we saw in this series limitations of Mikel Bridges as well. But the Suns, I do think, will be back and will be competitive. But you look at the West this next season, the Lakers are already rumored to be doing big things with the couple former Toronto Raptors, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, potentially going there. You know they're going to be better. I don't know about the Clippers with Kawhi's injury, but I mean, the Denver Nuggets are going to at least know they're not dealing with Jamal Murray for part of a season. So that is going to be an issue. But the Phoenix Suns are going to be right there, but there is no question. Again, we talk about being in a position to take advantage of the opportunity. Did they get lucky on their way to this championship with um, with Anthony Davis's injury, with Kawhi getting hurt, with all of these different things? Yeah, of course they did. Sure. But again, we talked about it a while ago. Part of getting to this point is surviving the grind of a regular season. It's not their fault those other teams couldn't but they did a very good job of surviving it. And maybe they broke down in the final couple of games, but this was, you can still say they earned this spot while also admitting that this was probably their best spot. And so that that's really tough to take for the, the Phoenix Suns. But now we enter what's going to be a very fun offseason in the NBA because every offseason is fun in the NBA. Up here in Canada, you have the Raptors with the fourth overall pick down in the States. Damian Lillard might get traded. What happens with Ben Simmons? It's going to be a fun year, even if we don't have like the marquee free agent going into this offseason. In the NHL, the draft is tonight. As I said, we're going to be covering that one with a Twitch stream a little bit later on after the draft is done. Going to be live tweeting and all of those things. This has been a tough draft to get into. And just one of the things they they tell us in sports broadcasting is never say, I don't know. Any of my draft coverage tonight, it's not going to be, oh, well, I think this kid is a future third line player. I think this guy's a future. Because I don't have a fucking clue on this one. This is one of the hardest drafts to figure out from a scout's perspective. I don't get paid to do that. I I don't get paid at all. But I'm not even going to try on this one. So instead of me pretending like, oh, yeah, no, I I have a great grasp on all of these things, even though some of these kids haven't played uh, an entire season. I think it's more the value that teams get and what different moves are made and stuff like that. I'm sure once we get into it uh, and once I read through a lot of these things today um, that I I will formulate some opinions, but I'm not going to... Well, if the Canucks don't take whoever at 9 and the Flames don't get whoever at 12, then this is a complete disaster because I have no idea. And I don't don't know how many people actually do this year. Like, there are some people who do some great work. Uh, Sam Cosentino and Peter Labardius in draft coverage on Sportsnet are phenomenal. And all the draft coverage that goes on at the Athletic is great. And Future Considerations is a must purchase for any hockey fan. Um, no one is paying me to say that. I would love it if they did, but um, no, no one's paying me to say any, any of these things. Um, what's his name? Chris Peters, the dude who used to work for ESPN. He has, a, uh, I think, a Substack now. He's phenomenal at it. There are people who are very good at this and who will be able to work their way through a, a lot of these things. But from a casual observer, this is a weird year for the draft. So my official stance on it is I'm... It's hard enough for the guys who are getting paid to do this. I'm not going to try to think I know more than a lot of them. So I'm just along for the ride. Drafts are fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We had an expansion draft. Seattle. (sighs) Seattle. The Seattle expansion team is a tricky team to to assess what they are doing. Because I thought, I I vividly remember this. And by the way, not to to kind of be like the toot my own horn guy or anything like that. Because I just told you I don't have a fucking clue what's going on with the draft. So I'm fine looking like an idiot. Um, 
I remember coming out of the Vegas expansion draft thinking that Vegas done fucked up. Look at all these great players that they had access to that they have just passed on now. What 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 possibly could they be thinking to just pass on those guys? Like how how on earth could you consider doing that? And then William Carlson turns into a superstar and Jonathan Marcheseau turns into a very good player and Riley Smith turns into a very good player. And all of a sudden, these teams look a whole lot better than we actually thought they were going to look. So I don't want to say, well, they completely screwed up because they took Colin Blackwell because I don't know who Colin Blackwell is. I, I, I don't know who a lot of these guys are. And you do also have the chip on your shoulder sort of a thing when you have some of these. But there are some picks that I like. Like the, the Kali Yarncroft pick is one that I like. And Yanni Gord is a smart pick. I said before, Jonas Donskoy would be the the way that I would go. I'm still going to need someone to explain the Carey Price thing to me. And I saw some people lauding um, Seattle. And, well, look at the financial flexibility that they have. And look at how well they are set up for the future now. And sure, fine. I suppose... And I'm not saying that a team that was just made yesterday needs to be a win-now team. I understand different players have different values and all of those things, and Kale Fleury may turn into a very good defenseman in the National Hockey League, but you you try to get that cap flexibility so that you can bring in star players like a Carey Price, right? Like, again, the age thing. I don't know why we're still hung up on this. Different players are different. 100%. I agree with that. But Marc-Andre Fleury just won the Vesna at 36. We were all saying that Vegas was going to have to attach picks to get rid of Marc-Andre Fleury this year. They were just like, now we're going to keep him. And he won the Vesna. Carey Price just carried a team to the Stanley Cup final. Can you rely on Carey Price for 70 games in a season? No. But that is why you draft a Chris Drieger. If you want to do a 50-50 split with those two guys and then have Carey Price ride things out in the playoffs, or if he starts to slip, you bring in a Chris Drieger in the playoffs. Like that's Teams are going with tandems now, and I get you don't want to spend a bunch of money if you are going with the tandem route, but I would suggest $13 million on goaltender. That's not an absolute backbreaker for you. Minnesota Wild are spending $14 million on guys who aren't even there. So I I think it was being a bit too cautious to not go with um to not go with Carey Price. One thing I was surprised at the lack of side deals. Um I thought that there would be more. Uh, I thought when we saw what Minnesota did with buying those guys out so they could protect a couple of guys, I thought, okay, we're we're gonna see a few teams. We're going to see a few teams that, that make some deals. And we didn't. The only deal that Seattle was involved in yesterday was trading Tyler Pitlick to the, the Flames for a fourth-round pick in 2022. So that that part surprised me. But as far as assessing this team, like it, it's not the super sexy, flashy team that I think some people thought it could have been. But overall, like this just seems like a solid hockey team. And they have some young guys who can grow into things, and they have some guys who can help them out right now. It does, it does strike me a little bit like they were for lack of a better term, trying to be kind of half pregnant where like, okay, we'll take some young kids, but we'll take some veterans now. And it's like, I, I almost feel like if you, you should just kind of commit to one over the other and just go for it. No, they have an entire off season. They're picking second tonight. That that's going to help them. They have $30 million in cap space. That certainly won't suck in free agency. Now, I don't know if there is that absolute home run free agent guy in this upcoming off season um, for Seattle, which was another thing that I, I found of note, 
I suppose, from people um, saying, oh, well, look at this, like all this cap space. Now they can go out and get like, if they go out and sign Gabe Landeskog and Dougie Hamilton, then I will, I will retreat on my comments about, uh, about not needing that financial flexibility because that is a much better way of spending your money. Uh, so if, if they are able to do that, then yeah. That, that worked out pretty well. But yeah, it's, I'm interested to see what Seattle does. Off-season stuff is always fascinating to me. A couple of other moves were made yesterday. The Carolina one is the one that gets everyone talking as they trade Alex Ndelkovic to the Detroit Red Wings for a third-round pick and whatever is left of Jonathan Bernier. Nedeljkovic stole a lot of hearts and minds with his performance in the Stanley Cup playoffs this last year. Um, born in 1996, which makes him currently 25 years old, which again, ugh, but he is two-year contract. Cap hit's going to be $3 million each year for the Detroit Red Wings. 923 save percent or 932 save percentage this year after a 920 in the postseason with the checkers. Over the last few years, the save percentage has always been over 900, and at times it's been over 915, and you've seen even in the playoffs, albeit in the ECHL, with the Florida Everblades, which, fuck yeah, that's an awesome name, um, but a 930 save percentage. Like, this is a guy who has had success everywhere he goes, and this is just such smart management from the Detroit Red Wings. You don't have to overpay to bring a goaltender in. Those are the best kinds of goaltenders. I know I just said spend $10 million on, on Carey Price, but... They didn't have to, so they didn't. Um, th this is talk about a team that's going to be busy this offseason. They have six forwards under contract and four defensemen, so they got a lot of work to do. Now, there's a boatload of RFAs in there, but still, th this is a Detroit team that's going to look a lot different. And this is now, this is now the start of kind of like the, the, the Steve Eiserman era. I say this year is the, the year to, to maybe like turn some things around for uh, for Detroit, but you look at it and like after going into next offseason when the Nielsen contract comes off the books, um, th that is going to be another time where he can really put his stamp on things. But I think Detroit is definitely going to be a team to watch. As far as Carolina is concerned, again, a, a team that captures hearts and minds, but again, a team that kind of runs into a wall. Now that wall ended up being the Tampa Bay Lightning. I picked Carolina at the start of the playoffs to get to the Stanley Cup final. I predicted they would lose, but I predicted them to go to the, the Stanley Cup final. They have work to do this offseason. Like they have Dougie Hamilton that they have to figure out. They currently have zero goalies under contract, which made the Nedeljkovic thing that much more surprising. Like that felt like a guy who you want to keep around. I get arbitration might get ugly, but just that doesn't seem like a reason to undervalue a player in a trade um so I, I like Carolina I like a lot of what this team has been able to do over the last few years in a turning that Carolina fan base into a strong hockey fan base and turning this Carolina team into a strong hockey team but that move didn't make any sense to me whatsoever so we'll see if there is a counter move coming from Carolina but yeah that that one didn't make a whole lot of sense to me for the Hurricanes. But uh, either way, this is going to be a fun time. Like I said, I've only been checking Twitter a little bit uh, <laughs> during this show to see if there is anything going on. It's going to be a fun day. Draft time is always great, even if we don't know a lot of who these guys are. It's still always fun, and it's still always going to be fun. So we will follow along with the draft tonight and then have some fun on Twitch afterwards. Music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. They got some new stuff. Check it out on Spotify and YouTube and follow them on Instagram 
at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. One of the fun things that have happened that, that has happened over the last little while is like we've really got the atmosphere around sports back. And we can make the arguments for and against um, everything opening up as quickly as it has and all of those different things. That, that is not what I'm, I'm here to do at all. I'm just saying watching the games, it's been really nice. And just it, like we, we were working toward that sense of normalcy and all of those things. Would I have been going to those games? I might have been, to, to be perfectly honest. Like I, I'm double vaccinated. Um, we've talked a little bit about it before that there is a, a baby in our lives now, not mine. I have a niece now and a rather vulnerable one at that. Cause I mean, babies don't have a lot of immunity buildup. That's how they work. Um, and, and so we're being a little bit more cautious, but I'm not going to project that on others. I, I do not raise any kind of eye at anyone who is going to these games. It's been awesome to see the crowds. It's been so much fun to get these sports back to normal. And it does kind of lend you to believe that everything is getting back to normal. And then this morning you watch, you watch the opening ceremonies and there ain't a person in there. And it's just kind of a reminder of, Oh, this isn't done yet. That, that that's kind of what it was to me. Like with, with sports here in North America, Hey, we're getting there. We're working toward that light at the end of the tunnel. That this is fantastic. Everyone's back. Everyone's having fun again for the first time in a couple of years. It's great. The atmosphere is fantastic. And then this morning was just kind of the reminder that, oh, not done yet. We're close. We're getting there. Certainly better than we were even this time last year. But fuck was that depressing at times to watch. And they they did a fine job with the, the actual presentation of it and everything like that. But just no fans in the stands. It was just very obvious. And it was the first time in a while it's been very obvious when you sit on your couch and watch TV. Like you basically, you can go about your life now as if nothing, as if it's 2019 all over again. And this morning was just that quick reminder that, oh, maybe not. Um, The the Olympics are still going to be fun. I I still, I, because of all the negativity around it going into it, I I wasn't getting that excited. And then seeing the Olympic flag carried out and I I said to my wife, like they are the most corrupt organization on the planet and it's still so exciting to watch the Olympics. So uh, I, I can have a moral high ground for three and a half years and then the Olympics come on the TV and it's, ah, shit. Well, still love it. So going to be fun, looking forward to it, and um, it's already been fun to see some of the competitions that have been going on. Like I said at the beginning, the Friday show is normally where we talk about fight stuff. TJ Dillashaw is back this weekend. That's going to be an interesting fight to watch. But the big stuff from the week was in the world of professional wrestling. In um, in Money in the Bank, Big E has a big night as he wins the Money in the Bank briefcase, and that's just... We talk about, again, feel-good moments. You have that moment in front of a crowd. It just makes it that much sweeter. And again, another like, okay, we're actually allowed to feel good about things again. This is awesome. And then now you have, well, who's he going to cash it in on? Like, you have intrigue around this. And I'm interested to see how they play off of it on SmackDown tonight. Nikki Ash casting in on Monday. Um, I was on a... I was on another podcast and asked, oh, who do you think is going to win women's money in the bank? Like, I don't know. The women's division sucked for a bit now. Like the, the, the performers are fine, but the storytelling has been awful. And I just threw out there. I was like, maybe it'll be Nikki Ash just cause that'll be fun. And she did win. And my initial thought when it happened was, Oh, 
well, I don't know if I love that. And then she cashes in on Monday and the crowd goes wild. It's just so much of a burst of energy for the women's division, especially on Raw, that desperately needed it. Like on SmackDown, you have Shotzi come in, you have Ember Moon come in, or not Ember Moon, sorry, um, Tegan Knox. They come in, and so there's a bit of excitement there. Tony Storm is coming back onto that roster as well. So there's there is excitement around there. I would love uh, that they just won the NXT Women's Tag Team titles, so it's probably not going to happen. But I would love an Io Shirai to show up on Monday Night Raw and just get some life into this, which is unfortunate to say because Rhea Ripley was kind of supposed to be that, and the it is through no fault of her own that the women's division on Raw has sucked. The the, the storytelling and the storylines that they have in that division have been awful. So this at least gets some hope into it. And I thought Monday Night Raw in general, like there was nothing offensively bad about the show, but it just felt for like two hour stretches where it was like, there's nothing going on. Like it's, there have been stretches for Raw, and I said before, this is the worst Raw has ever been, so obviously I have not been a fan. And, like, there have been long points where it's just, it's been bad. Like, the the Rhea Ripley-Charlotte Flair stuff is still bad. And th there are other storylines that are bad. This week there wasn't anything, like, awful, but there wasn't a whole lot that I was excited about. Like, it was just, it was just a show that felt like it was going through the motions. Goldberg coming back was neat. Kevin Lee coming back was cool. Like there are a couple of, hey, look at that, things. And then it's, oh, Goldberg against Bobby Lashley for a world title is not, I just, I don't get why you need to have Goldberg in that spot. Like you, you, the world title, now on Raw, there isn't a whole lot going on after you kick the shit out of Kofi. But it, it just, I, I'm, I have no problem with the nostalgia acts. None. Look how they're using Christian right now in in AEW, like just giving a, a bit of a rub to Jungle Boy, who probably doesn't need it anymore, but he graduates up. You have Sting giving the rub to, to Darby Allen and the hilarious spot with Orange Cassidy. Like those are, you can still put them in spots that feel like main events and you can still surround them with guys who feel like main eventers because they are now surrounded by Sting. That's fine, that works. Putting them in a world title spot, it's just, so like it, it it's it's been so overdone in WWE. It is just so annoying. And Goldberg does strike me like the type who wouldn't come back unless it was in a world title spot. Like he takes this shit that seriously. But then fuck it, man, don't do it. And I'm the guy who was calling for uh, Brock Lesnar against Bobby Lashley for SummerSlam. So, um, kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth on that one. But yeah, I'm just I'm over. Like I I want to be excited every time Goldberg comes out. I love the entrance. I was a huge fan of his as a kid. I want to get back into that. I, it just, it makes me feel bad every time he's in a championship match. Um, and the last thing on pro wrestling and the last thing for the day, I guess, CM Punk involved in rumors. Uh, apparently he is coming back. That'd be very exciting. I've got my hopes up on this before, so I'm not going to go too far into the rumors until I actually see him on television. If I had a prediction, I guess he shows up on Rampage. Is that what they're calling the, the Friday show in August? That would be my, like he, maybe he shows up on a dynamite and it's like, all right, we'll see him Friday uh, for Rampage. That, that would be, that would be how I would do it if that situation were to come up. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you very much for downloading and listening today. Again, I will be back with you later tonight after the NHL draft on Twitch. We'll be hanging out, having some drinks, talking about the, the draft, talking about what else has happened in the NHL today. So that'll be a lot of fun. It's a much more relaxed environment. Not that this is super uptight, but it's, it's a much more relaxed environment. I'll probably be not drunk, but I'll be at least buzzed. Um, so come hang out. Probably going to play some NHL 2004 and just have a time, man. It'll just be fun. 
should be fun. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at PrimetimeKlein. I'm the same on Instagram. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK is where to find me. Email the show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com. The music you're listening to, provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram, at Wasted Talent, with X is where the A's would be. Um, if you haven't had enough from me, like I said, Twitch later tonight, and then I'm doing two Okotoks Dogs games this weekend, the early game on Saturday, and the only game on Sunday on the Dogs Baseball Academy YouTube page, and General History Podcast. I had a fucking blast this week talking about Watergate um, on our podcast. We had no idea, so check that one out. It comes out every Wednesday morning, and you can find that show on Instagram at We Had No Idea Podcast. Remember to rate, uh, review, subscribe. Let me know what you want to hear on these shows. If you... Even if you just think I'm stupid and annoying, just let me know. Because um, I, I really want to, to grow this thing. I'm having the time of my life doing it, and I just want to keep it up. So help me by, by letting me know what you like, what you don't like. And if you like everything, then leave a five-star rating. All right. I'm going to talk to all, to all you guys later today. I'm out.